You're listening to The Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to The Better Man Podcast. Adam Charno here along with Chris Harper. Chris, earliest church memory for you as a little boy? What, what, how far back do you go? Oh, man, I'm going back to Royal Rangers. Royal Rangers, okay. Yeah, it was like the charismatic Boy Scouts. <laughs> I was like, that either sounds like your Little League team or uh, or something. that doesn't sound like a church. All right, so charismatic Boy Scouts. So what yeah, did that was... involve? That is, uh, this episode has taken a very quick left-hand turn and now I'm intrigued. So let's yes. go. <laughs> so it was like, um, it was like, Christian Boy Scouts that that the like AOG and Assemblies of God. So so my first experience with church was kind of in charismatic circles. Yep. So it was everything from, you know, honesty and integrity to, you know, get a badge and laying hands on people. I mean, the full spectrum. The full spectrum. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. I love yeah. that. And, yeah. I, I, and, and listen, my, to my charismatic brothers are out there, I'm not saying it's right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm just saying right. I was a royal ranger. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good. All this little subculture. You're going to start a new, uh, a new, a new like forum on Reddit or something like that of everybody That's just right. sharing all of theirs. Yeah. Mine, mine was super young. I mean, I, faith was really not a part of me growing up, but my Mm. parents, we did have a season growing up in Manassas, Virginia at the United Methodist church, a summer like vacation Bible school. That's what I remember. And I remember one time, like my one memory uh, was every time the lady would get up and teach, she just was talking about how sore Jesus's hands must've been with the nails going through it. And so little Adam is like, well, yeah, they hurt. I got, it's gotta hurt. Right. And then, um, there was a snake that showed up like on the churchyard and all the kids freaked out. So that was, uh, that was about all, but I mean, that was the beginnings of the gospel, right? That Jesus taking a yeah. sacrifice for us and yeah, I guess trampling on a snake. So, uh, um, we, we had, good. we had snakes at my church too, but that was on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Well, we start with those memories because what starts, you know, as us with little kids, uh, unfortunately for a lot of men, that relationship with the church uh, yeah. generally speaking, kind of dies out a little bit where churches, if you walk into an average church in America right now, not a lot of men there. And no. you all with Better Man, we've been doing some research on this and have some resources coming out, just kind of like a state of the union, a state of the manhood, a uh, state of manhood, and very specifically this first part talking about a man and his faith. So yeah, uh, get us up to speed there. What's going on with all that? Yeah, we're we're pretty excited about this project. We're going to release it um, in the spring of 2024. So here in about four months, we're gonna we're gonna release it with the State of the Union. So when the president is giving the State of the Union, we're going to be releasing the State of Manhood, hmm. and we're partnering with some PhDs and some guys over at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and some other people. But we're going to talk about a man and and three components, faith, family, and work, and kind of where men are today. And as you alluded to, Adam, um, when it comes to spirituality, men are, are basically losing or they're behind in every mm. category, mm. whether it's um, group life, whether it's service, whether it's biblical literacy, um, men, are, men fall in a lot of cases far behind women. You know, depending on what study you read today, the the average church has about 80 people in it in America. 
um, 65 to 70% of those people are going to be women. Hmm. Um, they have long carried the torch as far as church participation, church service. And one of the things Better Man is really adamant about is we're not just calling men back to the church, but we're calling the church back to men. Okay. And um, uh, men need the church. Yeah. And and the church, frankly, needs men. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had, um, I won't, I won't tell you which one, but um, I had a, a very prominent church reach out to me recently and um, they were debating bringing on women as pastors and elders, which is a, which is kind of a hot topic in evangelical circles today. And they said, Hey, you know, we don't necessarily want to know better man's position, but uh, we do. And, and, and we, we more so kind of want your advice and your position. And, um, and they were kind of shocked. I said, I said, Hey guys, listen, um, I'm not opposed to women elders or women pastors. If you're telling me you don't have a single man in the church that's qualified to do it. Right. And if that's the case, you have a much bigger problem Hmm. than a woman pastor or a woman elder. Like we have no men whatsoever. There's no pool of men leaders in the church. And I said, if that's where you're at, like if that's what you're asking me, you know, women pastors and elders are the least of your worries. That's right. How'd they respond to that? Do you, you remember how that kind of went? Yeah, they, um, you know, they understood where I was coming from. I don't, I don't, they didn't like the answer. Yeah. Um, because, uh, I think there are men in their church. As a matter of fact, I know it's, it's a very big church, so there's tons of men. Um, I just think they're leaning towards that woman pastorate, woman eldership. So I don't know if they were wanting me to green light that. Um, I'm complimentarian, better man is complimentarian. You know, we're, we're not shy about that position. Right. Um, but more so other than getting into that debate, like we're, we're wanting churches to raise up and train up men in their church to lead and to serve and to preach and to teach and, and yep. do everything that, that the ministry of the saints, what we're called to do. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to that thought that you had a few moments ago about bringing the church back to men. Hmm. And I know that there's probably some church leaders that are listening right now going, uh, listen, I would love some more ideas there because we do the prayer breakfast a couple times a year. We bring in the speaker a couple times a year. We do the, uh, you know, the catfish fry and uh, we all talk about hunting stories and, and we drive four wheelers around or maybe we do a weekend. Right. It, it almost seems like in some ways the church is trying to really just play to some stereotypes of what the typical man would want. And they try to make it sound cool and then add a little Jesus into it. Yeah. But it's got to be more than that. Right. It, there's got to be a little bit more thought put into how the church can come back to making it be a place where men want to be. Yeah, absolutely. And and please listeners don't hear me bashing on churches or, or strategies or men's breakfast, right? Like uh, I'm not critical of the church. I just think critically about the church. Hmm. And, and the reality is like powdered eggs and slightly used shotgun raffles isn't going to do it. Mm-hmm. Like there has to be more than ex NFL players talking about, you know, faith and football. Yeah. Um, that, that may be a good start and, and, um, it certainly can be helpful, but but we've got um we've got to be able to take men deeper, and we've got to be able to um, give them more. You know, they need community, they need the Word of God, and we underestimate. I think when I say we we evangelicals, like we underestimate how important this is. 
Uh, there's a great new book out called um, The De-Churching, or The Great De-Churching is the title of the book, Jim Davis and some researchers out of Florida. But they talk about, so the last, the last 20, 25 years has been the greatest move in evangelical history. 40 million people have walked away from the church, hmm. and, and men have largely led in that. And what was interesting is a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking at an event with Tom Rayner. Tom Rayner, former president of Lifeway, he's the statistics guru. And he shared this statistic that was, man, it was alarming. So he said, pre-COVID, for every 85 active members of your church who were actively witnessing, actively sharing their faith, you would add one new convert Hmm. a year for every 85. After COVID, it's now for every hundred mm-hmm. members of your church, every hundred active members witnessing, sharing their faith, you add one new convert a year. Compare that with for every hundred members of your church, every year one person dies, um, seven people move out of state, 13 people go to a different church, and 15 stop going to church altogether. So for every hundred members, you're adding one, and every year you're losing 36, Mm -hmm. which is why most researchers project that by, you know, 2040, 2045, the evangelical church in America will be cut in half. Yeah. And and men are are leading the exodus, and and they have been for a long time. So. So I, I kind of say that one to to point to the research, but then two, just the gravity of this. Like if we don't if we don't get this, if we don't come around to this, um, you know, we already have a problem, but it's going to be a serious problem on our hands. So, so I just want you to think about you know the average church experience. It really does cater to a woman. Yeah, everything from our preaching styles to the way auditoriums are set up. Um, um, it favors women educationally. It favors women. Um, the language we use, um, the songs we sing, right? So there, there was a big shift um, a couple of decades ago where we stopped singing songs like "A Mighty Fortress Is Our God." We stopped singing "Onward, Christian Soldier," and like today we sing about you know drowning in an ocean of God's love mm-hmm. and and big sloppy kisses from heaven and and, yeah. and and things of that nature. And, and again, good father, he's a good father, and all that. Yeah, yeah, all that. And again, I'm I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah, I, I'm just saying that that like a lot of men they can't they don't like a lot of that, right? Like yeah. every now and then we've got to do something. We have to say something. The most, the most used evangelical term is have a personal relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yet that's nowhere in scripture. Yep. Like, yeah. like scripture says, count the cost. Like no one goes to war without, without checking out the enemy. Like no one yeah. builds a tower without looking at his supplies, take up your cross and follow me. No one puts his hand to the plow and looks back. Like, there's a hundred different metaphors, and and yet we say, well, just come have a personal relationship with Jesus. Well, why is that? Well, that phrase appeals to women. Yep. Yeah. You know, that's what a woman is looking for, someone to, to go to Starbucks and sit down and, 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 and chat with her, right? It doesn't really appeal to men. No. Yeah. Yeah. In many ways, it's almost like the churches have started to look like uh, educational institutions, which do not favor young boys, having two boys myself, that's right. uh, to know, like, if I want to connect with my sons... Uh, I love to idealize, oh, we wake up on Saturday mornings and we go eat pancakes. Uh, if I take my boys to the Waffle House or to IHOP to have pancakes, I'll tell you what we're not doing is talking. 
because that that's awkward, right? That's awkward to sit across the table and like, just look at my 13 year old and go, so what have you been feeling lately? You know, like, how, how are you feeling? And, uh, my best conversations are when I'm driving with them, I'm out throwing the ball with them. Uh, for some reason, like at night before they go to bed, that that's when they want to talk and all that kind right. of stuff. And so we got to right. be flexible for all that. And, and so, yeah, the churches oftentimes in the, in the, in especially in America, the way they're set up seem to really cater not to men with all that. There's another piece to this, Chris, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, that I think the churches need to figure out how to deal with men's shame and embarrassment yeah. that they do not know as much as they think they ought to know. Yeah. Uh, is there, is there yeah. any truth to that? Like, does that resonate with you? Do you see that being a piece of this? Absolutely. Um, the biggest lie men believe is that um, they're so bad, God can never love them. Right. The mistakes they've made in the past um, define their future. You know, they become their mistakes. Um, they're guilty or they, they feel guilty because they don't pray enough with their wife or they don't pray at all or they don't lead their children right. in Bible study. Right. And what happens sometimes is, is they come to church and some of those stereotypes you alluded to earlier. Um, like we reinforce some of those. Um, mm -hmm. They'll hear a guilt ridden Father's Day sermon. Or they'll hear a, you know, random off the cuff dad joke. I, I walked into my church not too long ago and it was women's ministry weekend. So all the women were, were away on a retreat and, and the associate pastor just kind of made an off the cuff joke. He said, he said, you'll notice that most of the women are gone today. So if you saw a bunch of kids that, you know, either had on shirts that were too big or too small, you know, dad got them dressed this morning. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, ah, you know, like I didn't appreciate that. You know, yeah. I'm, one, I'm, I'm a grown man. Like I can dress my children. Yep, yep. <laughs> like I can yep. dress myself. Yep. I don't I, like, I don't need my wife to, to tell me what, what size shirt my child we wears. Yeah. And it was, it, it was very deflating and it was, um, mm. it was embarrassing and, and, and it angered me. Yeah. And, and I just thought, man, no wonder, like those little off-putting remarks, the, uh, the, the driving home, the guilt and the shame. No, no wonder men would just rather sit at home or, or go hunting or watch a football game instead of coming to church. Yep. Yeah. And even the, uh, so there's definitely that piece of the morality. Like they, they know inherently that there is a, that they're a sinner, but maybe for those men that have grown up around the faith and they're in their thirties and forties and they realize, you know what, I've been around this, this idea. I can speak some language I could not turn to the book of Philemon right now, right? Like yeah. I have no clue what Proverbs 13 says. And so yeah. you start throwing out these, these numbers and these books and you're like, yeah, turn to first John. And I'm like the first one, like there's multiple, you know, and, <laughs> and there's some, there's some shame that they feel there and they would just rather like life is hard for all people, but men are just like, listen, it's, I don't need to feel, I can go to work if I want to feel bad. If I want to feel behind, let, let me just go to work. And yeah. why do I need to come to church and then feel like, oh, here's another mountain I need to climb with all of this. And I think that, that, that shame that a lot of men can feel. So pastor, if you're like, Hey, we're going to have a Bible study and we're going to study some obscure book of the Bible. And the guys are just like, not going to do that. I don't know anything about that book. So why would I show yeah. up around a bunch of men and be vulnerable and make it really clear that I don't know anything when I can just keep everybody at a distance now and just kind of fake like I'm a lot more mature than I really am. Yeah. Yeah, bro. It, it's so good. So I would say a couple of things on that. Like first at the top, at the top leadership, whether it's the senior pastor, the men's pastor, whoever, we have to model vulnerability. That's good. And we need to, we, we need to stop pretending like we have it all together. 
because um, we don't, hmm. right? Um, you know, I tell I tell people John Wayne was an amazing cowboy, but he was a terrible husband. Yeah. Right. So, so like, let's, let's stop pretending that, that we have it together. And maybe and instead of preaching and teaching and talking so much about, about having it together or victory or overcoming this, maybe we open up a little bit more about our shortcomings. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I mean, I, I lead one of the largest men's ministries in the world. And I'm telling you right now, like, I'm having a hard time reading the Bible right now. Yeah. Like, like today. Man, I'm spiritually dry right now. Like I am, mm -hmm. I am fighting and wrestling with the spirit. I am, I am not in God's word like I should be. Um, I'm not ashamed of that. I just it, it it's a season, and I'm begging God to help me right now. That's right. That's right. But but even even somebody like me who who seems like well maybe he's got it all together or he leads this ministry or you know he's been to seminary and things of that nature. Absolutely not, man. I take L's every day. Mm. And, and I tell people, be weary of the ministry leader that always seems to be winning. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then because, writing books about their victories as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because, because the, the, the faith I read about, like there's a lot of loss and there's a lot of struggles and there's a, I mean, there's a reason why Paul continually uses fighting and war metaphors. Yep. Cause this yeah. is not easy. So, so I would, I would tell maybe some of the leaders listening, man, let's, let's be a little bit more vulnerable so that we can be more relatable. Yeah. What, what can we learn? Cause there are some men out there that are, and listen, I'm going to use this weird uh, touchy feely world word here, but have captured the hearts of men in our country right now. So it's not that all men are just out there lone rangering it on their own. Yeah. Uh, they want a leader and they've found some and they found them in some popular media Folks, so we've got the Jocko Willenicks of the world, the Joe Rogans of the world, the Jordan mm -hmm. Petersons of the world, the Ryan Holidays of the world, uh, the yep. David Goggins of the world. Like these men, if if you have not studied what these men are saying, uh, you don't have to absorb their message, but it would be good to at least observe their methodology. Uh, and I think you will be surprised by their message and the way that they're attracting, and and they really have some great followers right now, some pretty large followers with a message that honestly take out all the cuss words, uh, does line up a lot of with Paul's writings yeah. on, on live the hard life, right? Live the hard life and, uh, and don't give up and stay yeah. in the game. And yeah. there's something to learn from those guys right now. Absolutely. They, I mean, they have millions upon millions of men followers. And, and I think the biggest thing, the church, and, and this is going to sound sacrilegious, like we're saying the church can learn from Joe Rogan. Right. Right. But but it's true. And and yep. I think the biggest thing the church today could learn from men like Joe Rogan and Jocko and others is they they show men how to win. That's right. That's so that's good. the key. Say, that's say the that key. again. Say that again. They they show men how to win. Period. Period. Or and exclamation if, point. Maybe. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. And if and if men know how to win, like if you give them a scorecard, if you give them a pathway bro, they will play the game. They will. They will it, in some way. And man, that is not dumbing it down. That is just understanding your audience and going, this is what men like. They like progress. People like progress, right? That's Everybody right. likes to know they're making progress. People want to know that they're winning and losing. I am watching with my teenage boys right now as I've started to incorporate more, do you want to win here? Like win at life, win at school, win with your friends, win with your mom. You want to do that? 
like I'm giving you the answers to the test right now and watching their eyes light up because men crave progress and they, they want to know that they achieved. So absolutely. And that's yeah. why, that's why men will often retreat. You know, uh, N- Nancy Piercy just did a great yeah. treatise on this. They, men will retreat from home because they don't know how to win at home. They don't know how to win as a husband. They don't know how to win as a father. So they'll, they'll spend more time at work. Yep. where they know how to win, right? Close right. the big deal, get the raise, get the promotion. There's a scorecard, there's metrics built in. So they'll retreat to places where they can win because they want to be winners. And 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 there's nothing wrong with that. Like I want to no. be a winner, yeah. right? And and I want to be victorious in Christ. And, and where I think the church in a lot of ways has fallen short is we have not articulated, this is how you win at the faith. This is how you win as a disciple. This is how you win as a husband, as a follower, you know, et cetera. Um, That's where better man has found success. Yeah. You know, 3,100 churches is no joke. Um, Mm -mm. You know, 300, 400,000 plus men is, 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 is nothing to, you know, to brush off. And, and it's what we created was a super simple scorecard. It's four W's. Right. Super sticky. You win by courageously following God's word. You win by loving and protecting God's woman. You win by excelling at the work you put your hand to. And you win by bettering God's world through your children and your church and your community. Word, woman, work, world. Like that's how you win. And yeah. and bro, I I preach that all across the country. And as simple as, as it is, it's like light bulbs going off everywhere. Yep. And we've got men getting into the game and like transforming their home and transforming their church, transforming their community simply because we showed them how to win. That's right. Yeah. And and I was saying this to a group of leaders in a different context this week, uh, just yesterday, where I just said, listen, the most inspiring thing in the world is not charisma. It's mm. clarity. Wow. It's clarity. The, I mean, out. you can go, you can hold your men's event and you can get the ex-NFLer to show up or get David Goggins and just say, don't cuss and tell your story, whatever it is. And men will run through the wall, right? They'll run through the wall and they'll be like, I feel so good. And then you go, okay, so what are you going to do next? And then it's crickets because they do not know what to do next. And so you do not have to be charismatic. Just be clear. And and better man has given you that very clear scorecard, which is so inspiring. Clarity is the most inspiring force in the world. And, uh, and that's, that's, what's going to help men win. So, so all that, you know, we're in the, uh, this is all going to come out a little bit in the state of the union. That's going to come out in the spring of, uh, early part of 2024. Uh, what else do you have in the works with some of those, uh, as we wrap up and land the plane on this episode? Uh, some other some other research that you guys are doing. Yeah, so we're we're finishing our defined series. So we're doing a theological and biblical deep dive into a man and his work, what it means to excel at your work. So we're going to show you how to win there. And then lastly, we're going to do a biblical and theological deep dive into winning in the world. So what okay. it means to to better God's world. And and if you were a part of Better Man four or five years ago, we really focused in on children. So mm-hmm. you you won in the world by bettering your children and rearing your children, you know, in God's way. But we're expanding that. Um, we've learned that that a lot of Better Man participants are single, and and even yeah. though we talk about children here, we don't necessarily need to double down on that. So I'm I'm most excited about that because um, we're calling it the five C's. It's five mm-hmm. weeks. But we're going to show men how to win the world through their character, through their children, through their church, through their community, and lastly, how they conclude in life. 
ah. um, finishing life well. We we get a lot of older men coming to us and saying, "Hey, listen, I'm in the fourth quarter, and I, I need to know how to win the fourth quarter." Yes, <laughs> like I I lost the first quarter, I lost the first half. Like if there's one quarter I want to win, I want to win the fourth quarter. Yes. Right? And yes, uh, legends are made in the fourth quarter. <laughs> come yes. on. Yeah, my, my, my high school coach would say things like, um, it doesn't matter who starts the game. It matters who finishes the game, right? Yeah. Like, like you want the ball in your hand with, with 30 seconds left. So, so how do we put the ball in their hand with 30 seconds left and, and, and help them win? And super pumped about that, bro. I love it. All right. Well, Chris, as always, great conversation. I look forward to our conversation next week. See you, my guy. Hey there, we've got a free resource we want to give you before we go. We know that between work, family, and life, it can be really difficult to find and practice a good model for biblical masculinity. That's why we record these podcasts for you every week, and that's also why we put together this free resource called Five Ways to Be a Better Man. All you have to do is go to betterman.com, put in your email address, and you will be able to download this publication. You do not have to try to be a better man on your own. We are here to help you. So go to betterman.com, put in your email address, and download five ways to be a better man right now. That's betterman.com.